Here comes O'Bannon, in and out, down the lane. And the foul. Rebounded inside, O'Bannon, who banks it in. Here's O'Bannon, he's been sensational. To the bucket! O'Bannon, the senior, the last time he will ever play on this court at Freedom Hall, and he flat can't miss. Welcome in, guys, to another episode of the Players Perspective Uncensored with Larry O'Bannon. Glad you guys are tuned in with us today. You could have been doing anything, but you decided to tune into the podcast. So sit back, relax for the next 30 to 40 minutes. Going to bring you a wonderful show. Excited about the guest that we're going to have on today. We're joined by a Louisville legend, Reese Gaines. Now, Reese and I overlap at the University of Louisville for two years. Reese was a couple of years older than I was. He was an All-American, first-round draft pick to the Orlando Magic. Dwayne Wade once called him the best player that he ever faced in college. That's big accolades coming from somebody who was one of the best players that ever played a game. Now, once Reese left Louisville, he graduated, he was drafted to the NBA, but he never really seemed to quite find his footing in the NBA. Played a few years, was traded around, did a few stints overseas, played in the G League a little bit. But once he hung up his shoes, he went into coaching. He was coaching at Bellarmine, coached at EKU, and now he's assistant for the Austin Spurs, a G League affiliate of the San Antonio Spurs. Now, he's never really spoken much about his NBA tenure, but today he's going to peel back the layers and let us dive in a little bit and ask him some questions about his struggles in the NBA. And also he's going to tell us about his time and how he felt about his uh, play while he was at the University of Louisville. And now for our favorite part of the podcast, our bourbon selection of the day. Now our bourbon selection of the day is David Nicholson, 1843 Kentucky Straight Bourbon, a product of the Lux Road Distillers, comes in at 100 proof or 50% alcohol volume. Now, I was actually on the search for a Weller's product, and I couldn't find it, and the guy recommended me to try this bourbon. He said it's a really good price point. It's a wheat mash bill, the same thing you're looking for in the Weller's. So I said, all right, I'll try it, and you know what? I'll do it for the next uh, bourbon selection of the day on my podcast. And the guy was telling me that he believed it's on its way to be one of the next allocated bourbons in the near future, like its uh, Weller counterpart. So we'll see about that. So I said I would give it a try. But anyway... I'll give you guys my final thoughts and review on this bourbon selection of the day a little bit later. But in the meantime, let's join the Louisville legend in on the podcast. Big folks, welcome to the podcast, brother. What's good, man? Appreciate you. Man, man, I appreciate you, man. I know you're a busy man, your assistant coach with the Austin Spurs now, but it's a pleasure for me to have you on, man, being an all-time great and being a big brother to me and somebody that I looked up to, man. It's a pleasure to get you on and bless the podcast. Yeah, thank you for that. So. Sounds sounds good. You say all time great, man. Already, all right. Hey, that's a that's an understatement. So let me ask you this, man, to kick (laughs) off the podcast. Do you drink bourbon? I do. I do from time to time. I mean, you know, you know, I get a little bit of little Wolford in there. Okay, Wolford, your go to? I think so, no doubt. I do a little Wolford for sure. Nice. It'll sneak up for you, though. Know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it will. It will. And so, man, you were, like I said, somebody that I looked up to, especially coming into college, man. You took me up under your wing, and you were a person that I would say was probably the hardest worker that I've ever seen. And you know how it was for your junior year and my freshman year. 
we did running on top of running on top of running on top of running. And I was to the point, man, it made me question myself. I'm like, man, I don't know if this like high majors for me. Cause you know, coach is trying to make guys quit. And I see you, yeah. man. And you doing extra workouts. You're doing morning workouts before the normal practice. You're doing night workouts. And I'm like, man, I'm just trying to get enough energy just to get through the day and, and get to the morning. <laughs> and I'm like, this dude is like right. an animal, a machine. And, and I had never seen somebody work so hard. And that was one thing that I really wanted to imitate from you, man, is you were like the definition of get it done. You don't know how you got it done, but you got it done. And particularly late in ball games. And that was something that I aspired to be, man playing up under you for two years that was really what I wanted to take away and learn from you so let me ask you this so coming up man who was somebody that inspired you on the basketball court or you know just you know as you was growing up somebody that you looked up to or that you just wanted to emulate when you were playing the game of basketball man that's that's a great question I, I think to go back to what you said I have to say I, I you know I really mean a lot coming from you what you're saying especially as a as a coach now you realize how much leadership, how you know how much leadership is, is needed on the team, how important it is. And as you get, as I'm getting older, I'm a father. Obviously, being able to be somebody at U of L that could pass something down to somebody with your, you know, quality of character in your game, man, it, it just means a lot for you to say that to me right now. So I, I definitely appreciate it. I, I think for me, in terms of who I imitated my game after. Probably a lot of people. I, I mean, I, you know, I'm from Madison, Wisconsin, so there were, I, I didn't see many NBA players or even Division One players. You know, so a lot of guys I had to watch on TV, and, and I mm -hmm. kind of had to kind of be the. I was always the guy, the pioneer guy. You know, you know what I mean? Right. The guy that says, "I don't know how we're getting there, but I'm getting there," and kind of learn on the fly and working and hear other guys work and hear other rumors about other players and, and you know how much time they put in and. I always was lucky with with, with good um, good coaching and adults around me. My father obviously is a great role model. He was a Division One basketball player at Wisconsin. But I had a lot of good AAU coaches who mm -hmm. saw talent in me and was like, "Man, we should work out extra." You know what I mean? We should do individual. This is back before player development was even in, right? The way it is now. And I, I just think I just got so blessed and lucky with meeting good good adults around me. And just being in an environment where people saw my talent and wanted to increase it rather than just use it for themselves right away, which I, I'm just blessed about. I'm really blessed in that situation. Right. And, you know, we had Taekwon on the podcast earlier, and we were talking about your best trait was your competitive drive. And, you know, everybody, you know, especially being an athlete, everybody has some sort of competitive drive to them. But yours was on another level and we were talking and we was like you know who was the first person to really bust your ass and and the first name that came up for him was Reese Gaines and I was like I had mentioned a guy from high school but I'm like man Reese was yeah Reese was it man Reese was the first person was like because you know it was like yeah. it, didn't, it didn't make any difference what you did man we would go back to the dorm at night like damn like how are we gonna stop doing like it didn't make a difference what we came up with we couldn't stop reese we was like yeah reese was like the first person to really just bust well, our ass and wasn't nothing we I could had, do man i had one advantage y'all y'all was freshmen didn't know what the hell y'all was doing <laughs> so what what so I'm, I'm glad i caught y'all before you grew into your talent <laughs> so what 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 you know, could, what put, what pushed you in your competitive drive and made you have you almost had like a Kobe drive man to where you just you had to outwork 
everybody. If somebody was in the gym late at night for a couple hours, you had to be in there at three. You just, your competitive drive was just on another level. What pushed your competitive drive? Man, I, I, I really just think now as a coach, I see it. Once you got a vision for yourself, I had it. Mm-hmm. it. It just had to happen. You know, whatever word, whatever I, whatever I said was I wanted to do, I had to do it. And no other, there was no other vision, there was no other word. There was no other idea that was going to get in the way of my final idea, and I was shaking David Stern's hand, and and I just that just what drove me. Like this is, I said I'm gonna do it, and and I got to do it. Right. So, coming out of Madison, man, how did Louisville steal you away from Wisconsin? Man, to be honest, we all know who Tony Bennett is, and great coach, great great style of basketball. Mm-hmm. But his father was the coach. <laughs> of Wisconsin at the time. So that's, he was obviously Tony on steroids. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he didn't mind winning the game 20 to 15. Right. And, and that just was, that just, at the time, it just wasn't, it just wasn't my style, you know, and, and Louisville was, you know, they ran, they ran up and down the floor and it wasn't, it wasn't Louisville what it is today when I was going there, obviously. But right. my father, you know, he knew a lot about it, how it was before. And, and if it wasn't for him, I don't think they would have been, Louisville would have been a really, Lasted on my list. So if you didn't go to Louisville, where would you probably have went to? Maryland, or uh, I made a fall back and had and went to Wisconsin anyway. Okay. And being naive, think I could think I could change the coach, right? <laughs> you know, Justin, <laughs> you know what I mean, being young and right. you know, brash and all that. So in your time at Louisville, you played for two Hall of Fame coaches. You played two years for the legendary Denny Crum, and then you played two years with the Hall of Famer Rick Pitino. What were some similarities between the two coaches, and what was some difference between the two legendary coaches? Man, the similarities, I would say it's probably hard to explain, but you know for playing with so many different coaches, mm-hmm. and all the players know, it's like you you kind of can tell when somebody has that natural high-level talent. You know, the Coach Crumb's talent was probably a little different than what Coach P's talent was. Mm-hmm. You know, Coach, Coach Crumb's talent, you know, he, he – he could draw up a play. He had a great mind for the game. I mean, he, he was a genius at what he was doing. Right. And Coach P's talent, you, you know, how, how he came across was just, he gave you so much confidence. His personality was strong, so strong. You took on what he wanted to do. Right. His timing and when to push you and when to get you better and when to hold back, was I've never seen anyone like that before. Right. I mean, he just had perfect timing. And um, so in the way he, the way he could use the truth, either for you or against you, but either way, you know, he gained your trust. I, I think that was the similarities. I think the difference kind of what I just said in terms of Coach Pete motivates you kind of emotionally and mentally, and Coach Crum was just, he just knew basketball. At the end of the day, he dropped a play, and it's going to work. Right. If he draws it up, I mean, we may have missed it, but you're going to be open exactly where he said you're going to be open. Right. Sure. Dope. Now, you are All-American. You're the fourth all-time leading scorer in school history. Your top five in scoring, assists, steals, three-point makes, field goals. You're in the school Hall of Fame. How does that make you feel looking back, you know, at your college career and knowing that you were all-time great? How does that make you feel knowing that all of that hard work and everything paid off and for you to accumulate all of those accolades? Man, like I said, as a coach, I mean, unbelievable. You just appreciate things more because you know, Everything's got you know not guaranteed. It, it didn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. 
you know, the opportunities didn't have to come the way that they did for me. You know, the right people, the right timing, the right, um, the right guys around me, the right teammates, all those things didn't have to be in place. And, and I think as you get older, you analyze yourself, honestly, I mean, as a talent, I was good. I, you know, I was good. There's a lot more people with more talent than I was. Mm-hmm. But like you, but the work ethic that put me there that paid off makes me feel great. You know, it makes me feel great for sure. So, uh, it, it, it's, it's, it's a, I guess, a surreal, unbelievable feeling to know now as a coach that something that went went right for you and you were ready for your opportunity and, and you just appreciate it, you know, that I was going to be there. Right. And, man, it was a pleasure for me not only – getting to learn from you and compete with you every day and really taking my competitive nature up another level. But, you know, just in the game sometimes, just, you know, really watching a guy like you and Dwayne Wade at Marquette, when we're playing Marquette, watching you two guys go back and forth for two years, going toe-to-toe, man, and really just bringing the best out of you, man. And, And I'll never forget we were playing at Marquette and I think Dwayne Wade scored a bucket and it was like seven seconds to go. And I'm thinking we're going to call timeout. I'm sort of in a panic mode. I'm like, oh, man, what the hell are we going to do? And you was just like, come on, man, throw me the ball, throw me the ball. And you got the ball and you went down and, man, you hit like a 30-footer at the buzzer to beat uh, Marquette in Marquette, man, and then just ran up and down the court. And I was still kind of in shock. I was still trying to figure out what the hell was going on. And I just seen the ball go through the net and I just try to run and hug you, man. But it, w- it was a pleasure, man. You were uh, awesome guy, to, you know, awesome player to watch, man. I remember watching you before I got to U of L. I remember coming out to U of L when I signed, playing one on one with you and Marcus Maven, man. And so it was just a, a pleasure to watch you and to play with you uh, in college. So then, man, you know, I was going to say that this is, you know, I keep saying the same thing over and over again because, you know, as a coach, I know one day you're going to coach too. You deal with these situations over and over again, and I'm glad that I can say with my career now that it, I was at least some some bit of a positive influence and a positive role model for for guys who took what I did, took it further, and took it better. And you know what I mean. So it, it, it's good to definitely to be reminded of that every once in a while. Oh, for you know, sure, for sure. Since we deal with this all the time. And so, in 2003, after your great career at the University of Louisville. You go on to get drafted by the Orlando Magic, number 15. So when you got drafted to Orlando, what position did they draft you? Did did they draft you as a point guard? Did they draft you as a two guard? What what was their vision for you, sort of, when they drafted you? Or did they even tell that right. they even tell you that? Well, basically a six five point guard. Okay. But I, I remember I remember back then I called him Uncle West. Everybody knows him as World Wide West. Mm-hmm. Basically told me, man, you a combo. <laughs> but I had it in my mind that I was, you know, going to be this point guard, and and I, you know, they basically drafted, six, you know, big point guard at the time, and and um, and that time there was no like the idea of development for somebody drafted that high, it, it didn't exist yet. Right. So if I wasn't the greatest point guard I ever lived, the first two weeks, and caught, you know what I mean. Right. Who was the it, other it, point it guard? Who they have? Two T Tyron Lou. T Lou was on the they had uh, roster. Lou. Right. And they had T Lou. My still, I still talk to T. That's my man. Mm-hmm. Especially now that I'm coaching, so he, he's always there for me. So I need to, you know, ask him, ask him a few questions. But um, yeah, that's basically it was six five point guard. 
You know what I mean? That that's kind of what I'm coming to be. Right, and so that was Doc Rivers, right? He was the head coach there. Doc, yeah, yeah. And so, and coming in, man, like it didn't seem like you had a lot of opportunity to really prove yourself. <laughs> and so, you know, did you and Doc ever talk about, you know, what happened with not really able, being able to showcase your talent, or like you said. Were you not developing fast enough? Did Doc ever talk to you about why there wasn't much opportunity for you? No, I mean, basically, I, I had never been in that in, in a kind of environment before, mm-hmm. in which the coach and the staff weren't behind me. Right, and I not in a bad way. Not that they had to be because it's professional basketball, so it's not their fault. But I was so immature. It, it took because I asked. It's something that I hadn't gone through before, and I wish I had gone through it younger. And I was, but it was the first time I had to deal with that. Right, just facing a little bit of adversity. And and and, and that is the first time. The first time in which you know the the co- those people weren't with me. Right. And you kind of could feel it. Everybody, you know, everybody you could ask anybody about the team. They felt it. Everyone felt it. And I dealt with it in ways I shouldn't have dealt with it. You know, I, w- I wish I would have had that lesson earlier, mm-hmm. but I'm glad I got that lesson. And because from there, you know, even right now, I don't always put my kids in the most favorable position. Right. So when I make you, them uncomfortable a little bit. So when you okay. say you wish you would have dealt with it differently, did you deal with it in a way when you say you were immature, like, you know, you, you kind of caught the attitude or like, man, this is some bullshit type? No. I attacked it with the same attitude I attacked the things and saying, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. And I built up some negativity in which I should have stayed positive. They were my, doing the same as I always done on and off the court. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, you know, I, I still definitely worked hard. I still did those things, but I let, I let the, the negativity kind of, kind of build up. And that was, that, that's not me. You know what I mean? And, and I kind of, I kind of got away from, from being myself in certain situations in certain areas. Right. You know? So then you get traded to Houston. What's your thought process yeah. once you hear that you're being traded to Houston? I, mean, I, I think it's another opportunity. It's a fresh opportunity for me. Mm-hmm. I think it's good. I'm going to H-Town. You know, I'm still cool with T-Lo. I'm still cool with uh, T-Make at the time. So, you know, I think it's a great opportunity. And who was the coach at Houston then? Was that Stan Jeff Van Gundy? Jeff Van Gundy. Jeff Van Gundy. Uh, so you went from Doc Rivers it took, it to Jeff Van Gundy. It took me a long time to admit Jeff Van Gundy is a great coach. So he, he never played me. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so once you and so once you left Orlando, you got traded to Houston. Then you got traded to Milwaukee. You know, yeah. it seemed like you never really had an opportunity because in Orlando, you know, you had was, T you had T Mac. You know, everything was going around T-Mac and, and catering to T-Mac. And so then you get involved with the trade to Houston with T-Mac. So now T-Mac's going to Houston. And so you feel like you want a fresh start. But, like, uh, is it really a fresh start? Because everything is going to be with T-Mac and Yao Ming. The funny thing is, Jeff Van Gundy will always play me late in the game. If you watch the game with T-Mac scored 13 in a row and all that versus San Antonio, mm-hmm. I was in the game. So he really liked me. But – if I would have had the attitude as if a Jared Dudley has, right, just my role, been a good person, a good teammate on and off the floor, I probably would have lasted a lot, a lot longer with Jeff. But he really didn't like me, right, right. And I, and I, and I, and I, I, I it took me this long to even realize that, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But um, you know, as a coach, you have to really have examples of how being a good teammate really does work. 
And if I would have been a good team on the floor, I think the way Jeff talked about me, I, you know, I, I definitely would have lasted a lot longer for sure Houston and for sure with Jeff. And so then after Houston, you get traded to Milwaukee. Now, who's the coach in Milwaukee once you get traded from Houston? Terry Porter. Terry Porter. And so now you got Michael Red there, and everything's revolved around Michael Red. Yeah. But still, did it feel yeah. like another fresh start for you? No. At that time, um, the situation in Houston where, you know, I, had, I come off my career high, my best game was 6-1, and one, mm-hmm. and I wake up the next day and I'm on IR. I kind of never recovered from that. I kind of never, I mean, when you're finally doing everything right, <laughs> with 6-1, and one, I'm playing every game, career high. And then the next minute, I'm not playing. So it was definitely a different feeling here, for sure. Right. Now, let me let me ask you this, because going back to, to college, like I said, you and Dwayne Wade were toe-to-toe for two years, both two of the best players in college basketball. Once you got drafted, did you kind of feel like there was a pressure on you to sort of have a success since he – was able to be in a different opportunity and have a, you know success early on, and maybe you weren't. Did you did you uh, sort of feel any of that pressure? Um, I, I probably put it on myself, mm-hmm. but I had I had done a few workouts with Dwayne Wade, mm-hmm. and he was showing. I, I seen things I didn't see when he was at Marquette. Right. So my perspective of Dwayne Wade was different. I was already amazed by the guy. Right. Right. Because we had done some workouts together, and he was doing some of the things that. Obviously, with more room and space, you can't redo really in college, but he was doing it there. Right. I mean, taking off and, you know, dunking backwards and by both and he's, you know, so I kind of knew he, he had a chance to be really special, but um, you kind of like to pressure yourself to kind of compete with, with, with the guy on that level. And um, it, it was always there for sure. Right. A, a, for sure, a little bit. Right, right. Because I know, I was just wondering if, you know, just kind of like that, that, that standard because you know y'all was you know right there and I just didn't yeah, know, no you know I was just no, wondering no. if you held yourself to that same standard yeah. that's putting that pressure on yourself. So you played with you know T Mac for two years. You played with Michael Red. Now there is speculation about you having a beef with T Mac. Is that truth? Is there rumor to that? I, I probably wouldn't. There's no definitely no beef, but there probably is something true in terms of like he may have wanted to draft somebody else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, or whatever. But I, you know, I never had any problems. So, wasn't any you know underlying animosity there? <laughs> no, but, no, but I mean, no, nothing serious for sure. Nothing like that. Oh, okay, no. okay, okay. How would how was how was he to play against in practice every day? T Max tough, huh? We we used to go at it. I mean, to say you just go at it, I would see T-Mac. I mean, right, <laughs> right. But, but 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 knowing I, you I, and I your mean, competitive I mean, nature, of, though, I, I know you though. I, I mean, in terms of at the end of the day, once we going at it, he he had to just, just back me down and, and you know, go to turn around. Right, right. You know, right. W- w- once I was, you know, <laughs> once I did my job, that was, I was kind of good defender back then at one point. But eventually, you know, you know what, I'm tired of this. Right. Catching in the post, turn around, jump around me. And so, sure. you know, so after the league, you went overseas, played a few years. We actually got a chance to play against each other, man. You hit the game winning shot on me too, man. I, I still tell, tell people about that to this <laughs> day. I, man, I, man, I, I said, man, you got to be kidding me. But uh, I still remember that, man. And, you know, you played overseas, and then you decided to come home and you wanted to get into coaching. What made you want to get into coaching? Man, you know what? I, I don't know, man. It was uh, – I knew I needed to come back and finish my degree. Mm-hmm. I was doing other things and trying to be, you know, you know how it is when you're done playing, man. Right. You know, well, you're not done playing yet, but 
you're thinking about it. You don't really know exactly what it is. And I decided, let me go back in my degree. I talked to Coach P, and I kind of like, let me get my degree and help out. Right. You know, and then he mentioned Bellarmine, this guy Davenport, and volunteering. At the time, I wasn't trying to hear it. I'm like, man, I'm Reese Gaines. What the hell do you mean, volunteer for Bellarmine? Right. But, you know, at the end of the day, he was right, man. His coaching just grew on me. I just fell in love with it, and it was just – I don't have, you know, many words for it because it's such an important decision that I made that you that you asked me about. It. It's life-changing, thought-changing, ideas, everything changed once I decided to be a coach. So right. um, that's basically what happened. And so what would you say is the best part of being a coach? Oh, man, it's, it's – you know how when you're playing, you, you're still kind of playing for yourself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's still your, but now you kind of always aware that every word you say, every idea you come up with, your knowledge and experience is is, is affecting not just the player you're talking to, because his future is going to affect his. You know what I mean? You're mm-hmm. just affecting so many different people. You have the opportunity to that it. it, it, it I don't want to use this kind of language here, but it kind of fits with my soul pretty good. You know right, I mean? right, man. We on the podcast. You yeah. use whatever language you want, oh, okay. man. It's uncensored, baby. Okay, yeah. I, you know, <laughs> I don't want to sound like that on here, you know what I mean? But, but yeah, it fits in my soul pretty well, no doubt. Right. You know? and, and like you said, coaching is something that I want to do as well. And I think the best part about it is that it's feeling, man. And, you know, just wanting to watch yeah. other people succeed and watch them have that feel-good sensation, man, and watching them put in the work and watching them see the results and winning yep. and, you know, going through adversity and watching, you know, young boys become young men, man. I think that's just a feeling yep. that you just can't get in anything else you do. And, and like I said, when you have a passion for it, man, that's just, you know, you don't want to think about yeah, nothing it, else. I kind of describe it that the better coaches like him talking, the good ones I'm learning from them, it's, it's like, um, you know, there's some jobs that you can't do for money. Like right. nursing. You, you can't, because eventually you're going to deal with blood and wet, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. you can't really fake that. It's kind of got to be who you are. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, coaching is similar. You know what I mean? It, it's it's hard to fake it and last. It's kind of, it kind of ha- has to be who you are because all the sacrifices you give for it and, and, and you know, the amount of time you, you have to you have to put in to even to, to be close to being good at it. Right. And so now, big folks, we come to a part of the podcast that we like to call Barrel Proof. And you being a bourbon man, you know that Barrel Proof Bourbon is one of the strongest bourbons on the market. Comes straight out of the barrel. Okay. When you sip it, gives you a little warming sensation, man. So we're going to give you these rapid-fire questions, put you on the hot seat a little bit. I don't want you to give it a lot of okay. thought. Just give me the first answer to come to your mind, and we're going to roll with it. Okay. First question. The 2020 Yo. NBA champs will be who? Lakers. Lakers, okay. Not the clip show, but the Lakers. <laughs> the, the best steakhouse you've ever eaten at? Oh, steakhouse or restaurant? Steakhouse. Bob's Steakhouse in San Antonio. Bob's Steakhouse. Okay, I'm going to have to write that one down on the list. Favorite Jay-Z album? I know you're a Jay-Z man. Favorite one? Oh, Reasonable Doubt, but man, the new one was nice. Okay. What, the 444? Yeah, but Reasonable Doubt right now. Okay. What's your next best talent besides basketball? Coaching. Better movie, Django or Wolf on Wall Street? Oh, <laughs> Django. I'm still mad at Samuel Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a tough one. Still can't stand up there. <laughs> Toughest person you had to guard 
in your basketball career? Wow. Iverson. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's that's a tough one. <laughs> Especially when he hit this around. Right. And you know he's going to take 30, 40 shots. <laughs> yeah, it's just right. yeah. You're down three. Who's taking the last shot? Steph, Clay, Ray Allen, Reggie Miller, or Larry Bird? Well, down three? Yep. Steph, Clay, Ray Allen, uh, Larry Bird, or Reggie Miller? I'm going to have to say Larry Bird. Man, that's what I'm going with. I'm going with Bird. No, I'm I going with Bird. Bird. Give me your childhood celebrity crush. Childhood? Childhood celebrity crush. I have a little bit of one of uh, Monica's, I think. Okay, okay, okay. Monica's nice. Monica's nice. First take <laughs> First take or undisputed? Wow. That's a serious question now. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen A. acted right. I'm gonna go with first take. First take. Ooh, I'm, I'm gonna undis- first I'm undisputed, man. Yeah, I like Shannon. You know, <laughs> I like Shannon. Last like question. Shannon. It's a question we call franchise sign and wave. You got to franchise a okay. guy. You got to sign a guy. You got to wave a guy. Okay. John Morant, De'Aaron Fox, Trey Young. Who do you franchise? Who do you sign? Who do you wave? Franchise, Ja. I ain't seen De'Aaron in a minute, but I, I think I haven't seen him. I'm going to say I'll sign De'Aaron. I'm waving Trey Young. You going to wave Trey Young? Ooh, yeah. starting the All-Star game? Man, so did Kyrie. So did James Harden. <laughs> I mean, I know Kyrie won a championship. He won with LeBron. I mean, I like Harden, but Harden started too. True, <laughs> true. True, true. <laughs> I mean, I ain't said he ain't nice. You're a bunch of You made a question so tough, I had a picture. <laughs> right, right. That's where you put you on the hot seat. Big he folks. Did. He definitely put me hot seat with that one. Big folks. Man, I appreciate you coming through and blessing the podcast, brother. It's been a pleasure to have you on, man. Like I said, big bro, it, it, that's what you are to me, man. And, and it, it means a lot for me for you to come through and, and bless the podcast, man. Man, thank you for thinking of me, having me on, man. Had a good time. I hope that you all enjoyed the conversation that Reese and I had. Uh, It was a pleasure for me to have him on to really talk to him about his story. I really appreciate his openness, his willingness to talk about his NBA struggles because that's not easy to do and it's not something a lot of people would do, especially if things didn't go the way they wanted or the way that people expected them to go. And so I really appreciate him coming on and being candid and just being open and talking about everything and laying it all out. I think Reese was somebody that we watched go head to head with Dwayne Wade. And for me, got the better of Dwayne Wade at the collegiate level. And I think the success that you saw with Dwayne Wade early on in the NBA, you know, I think, you know, we had those same expectations for Reese when he went to the next level. And so even though things didn't work out the way he wanted and the way, you know, some might have expected, he's still a legend. He's still one of the all-time greats, one of the best to ever come out of the state of Wisconsin and definitely probably the best player to ever come out of Madison, Wisconsin, for sure. And it's good to hear him talk about now how he acknowledged his mistakes and how he's trying to help the next generation and prevent them from making some of the same mistakes that he made. And now for my final review of the David Nicholson 1843 Kentucky Straight Bourbon. And we'll start with the nosing. It really had a, a oak scent. That was the first thing that really hit my nose. And as I started to swirl my glass and really open up the bourbon, it gave me a fainty, dry, 
fruit accent. And so wasn't really a strong aroma that came from the bourbon that really hit the nose. And so it was a little, little faintier as far as the aroma goes. The energy was pretty subdued to the sip, probably a little something less than what you'd expect from 100 proof. A very simple bourbon, thin texture to the tongue, wasn't complex at all, had a very oaky, woody taste to it, had a little bit of a sweetness in there. And it sort of put me in the mind frame of, you know, when you used to eat popsicles and you get down to the end of the popsicle and you got the wooden stick and you got a little bit of flavoring on there so but mostly you just getting the flavor of the stick with a little bit of uh, juice left over except you know this was a little bit of syrup a little bit of honey on it and as far as the aftertaste it really had a short dry aftertaste to it but overall a solid bourbon choice especially for the price point that it was at but let's just hope that it just stays there and that it doesn't jump up Thank you guys for tuning in and listening today. Be sure to share with your family, friends, rate us, leave reviews. Make sure that you send more bourbon suggestions for the next bourbon selection of the day. And now that you've heard the player's perspective, you know what it is. Till next time, it's a wrap.